Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Comic Vine podcast for the week ending November 29th, 2013. It's the day after Thanksgiving. I'm Tony Guerrero, editor in chief of ComicVine.com. And returning to the show is Jen Abrahamian. Hello. How you doing? I am awesome. I am in a, a food coma from Thanksgiving. Yeah, people have been like, when's she coming back? When's she coming back? I know, I know. Well, I, here's the, the story is that I'm a, I'm a teacher and I have a class on Fridays when we could usually record. Uh, but since it's a holiday, I don't have to teach. So I'm luck, home, luck. sitting on my couch with a plate of leftovers. Yeah, that's good. So you had a good Thanksgiving? I had an awesome Thanksgiving. There's, oh man, the, I'm looking at my dining room table and there's just it's a sight of wreckage right now. There's so much food. You should just leave the food out? Well, no, we, we wrapped everything up that, like, we're going to save, like, all the pies and, like, the turkey and stuff. But, like, the the turkey coma set in. So the, uh, like, the the rest of the turkey, like, the part that, like, the bones and stuff, is just still sitting in the middle of the dining room table. Mm. So there's, like, a carving fork, like, just jabbed to the side. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, the interesting thing is, it's it's like in in other countries, they don't tend to like refrigerate all their leftovers. I mean, they're not so. Um, I get, see. I don't even know if if that's what it is because, like like my my brother in law, he he lived in in England for like like six months at least or maybe longer, and it's like you know you have leftovers, you leave it out on the counter, and then you know next day you have it, and you know they're not concerned about. Getting it in the fridge right away. It's and, like college kids with pizza. I mean, like it's it's still good if it's like still looks like a pizza. I guess it depends on the item and the ingredients and the temperature. Yeah. It's well, like I, I put the meat back in the fridge. You know, like I carved up the turkey and all the leftover slices of that are in the fridge. But then, uh, and the pies are in there because I made fruit pies. Um, but you know, what what did I leave out? Um. I left out the bread. I accidentally left out the mashed potatoes. There's no way those are going to be good. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I guess we should talk about some comic books. Yeah, maybe. Some of those. Probably yeah. about them this week. Um, so I I did not grab the entire stack from the office, but I, I grabbed a few. Um, Select items. Yeah, so I mean, we won't even go through this entire stack that I have here, but I yeah. wanted to because I had to do the the best stuff video, had to oh okay f- film that real. I'm into this. Yeah, um, so I on the top I have Damien, son of Batman. So I don't know if you've been reading that. I have not. Uh, I'm, you know this. I'm, I've never really been a, a terribly strong Damien fan. Yeah, so it's 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 weird because. I mean, the first issue I thought was 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 good. This one, I I think I ended up giving it a three. And there's just like little things that just seem weird. It's, so we have like an older Damien. I thought he was like maybe like 17 or 18 because he's still Robin. You know, he was in in the, the first issue. And there was like some weird interaction between Damien and Batman. It's like wow, he's really being a jerk and disrespectful. But then we we find out 
fully why that is here. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll, I say I don't want to I don't want to spoil it for people who who haven't read or are going to read it. But there there's a character that shows up at the end of the first issue we see here, and it's it's a common character in in the Batman comics. We'll just say, and this person has like totally gray hair, like white hair. So like even if this was like seven years later, it's like you don't go that that gray that fast. So there's just like little little things that it's like I'm I'm not really quite sure what's going on, and you know maybe we just shouldn't worry about it because the whole thing is like if Damien is dead, we don't know if he's going to come back, so maybe the story kind of doesn't matter, you know, if it's an alternate universe or whatever. Right. So it's it's just kind of weird little things like that, and there's some parts where the dialogue just felt off a little bit, and so I don't know. Um, I mean I like the art, you know, Andy Cooper's art is good, but there's just some. Some things. Decisions that maybe didn't make sense. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, but it sounds like other people are not liking it. Yeah. Uh, I, I I saw some other comments. People are like really coming down on it. I and I do like Damien. I I like Damien sometimes. I like Damien written by certain people. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think when he's not the the star of the book, I can get behind it a little bit more. Like when he makes just really like uh, snappy little cameos, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah, I mean, there, and it's it's a four issue miniseries. I don't know how I feel about four issue miniseries because it, it almost seems like it bucks the arc style. I I like miniseries to be like at least like six or eight. Yeah, because uh, like four issues, it's it's almost like you can't really do much. So it's like, how much of an impact is this story going to have? I mean, four issues, it can be a good arc, but for like a mini series, you know, you have to have the build up and everything. It's, there's just like not enough room. Right. And what's worse are the three issue mini series. Those, it's like, why even bother? Right. I mean, well, it might as well just be an arc of an existing ongoing. Yeah. Cause like I remember, um, there was like some Spider Man. I think, I think there was like a Black Hat three issue mini series, and there was one for Jackpot, that, that character that they, quickly dropped it seems like everyone thought it's like is that mary jane uh, so i don't know how i feel about the four issues but then at the same time you don't want them to, to drag it on try to make it a six if you know if the story is just a four right but i don't know no that's true right right what you got but i mean like i almost feel like when you're you're structuring something for a, a bigger publisher and they say like oh here's a mini series this many issues the decision on how many issues it is isn't coming from you yeah so like they'll be like, hey, you've got four issues, do something instead of you know, hey, what kind of story can you tell? Like, how long would it take to get through this? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they end up changing it. They'll say, oh, it'll be six issues, and they're like, ah, now we're gonna make it four. Yeah. So cram everything in. Which is tough. Yeah. Uh, Superior Spider-Man came out, so new arc, um, Spider-Man versus Venom. So this is, I, I guess, this is the first time that. Flash Thompson as Venom has met the superior, Do- the superior Spider-Man, so you can imagine it, it's it's not going to go well. <laughs> um, Doc Ock has. I feel has, like that could be the the tagline for any of those issues. Like this is going to happen, and you can imagine it's not going to go well. <laughs> yeah, I'm still liking the series, and oh no, I I yeah. adore that series. Like, I, I I saw a thread uh, this morning, like because there's there's still there's some people that. They they're still so adamant against Superior Spider-Man. I don't get it. And and the thing is, you know, I am a huge 
Spider-Man fan. I, you know, he's like, he might be like, you know, one of my top two or top three favorite characters. I, I, you know, I don't like Doc Ock as Spider-Man, but I'm, I'm enjoying these stories because it's, it's. I love Doc Ock as Spider-Man. So I, I don't think I, I didn't grow up with like a ton of Spidey. So I'm kind of coming into it at the angle of, um, you know, I read Spider-Man here and there, like most of the time, whenever he would show up in another book, like I didn't really latch on to like amazing, but this one is just such a fascinating twist for me. And the fact that like, I, I originally thought it was going to be just a, a short, like, you know, do this for, for like a year max. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that it, it really is an ongoing series is fascinating to me. And I love it. Cause I, I mean, well, you know, I like villains. So, um, so seeing Ock really get to, to do his thing is just awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've said it so many times. I, I, I see it like a science experiment. Yeah. You know, we're seeing here's Spider-Man, but he's in a sense like possessed by someone else. So we can see. And, and you know, some of the things that the Doc Ock has been doing trying to be superior. I mean, there are some things he's doing better. Yeah. And, and, cool. and it's one of those things where, like, with villains, like, I think most really good villains and most really good supervillains have a lot of very strong qualities that you can appreciate. But when you appreciate them, you sort of have to disclaim everything. Cause you're like, well, it's the bad guy. So like, even though he has this really rad power set, like I know he's the villain or like, even though like, yeah, he did that thing. Right. You still kind of have that sort of tainted view because it's the villain. He's the bad guy. But then, you know, when, when the villain's the star of the show, I think you really get that opportunity to be like, you know what? That was a really cool thing you did. Yeah. And it's just funny. He's like, as Peter Parker, he's he's like, you know, he doc. He he's like, I'm not a doctor anymore. So he he sets out to go get his doctorate and something. Isn't that great. That Peter never did that. You know, he never had the time or whatever. And 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 now you know, Doc Ock started Parker Industries. You know, he's, he's right. Well, and then the other thing is, Peter never had the time, right? But yeah. like, Doc is Doc is like kind of proving out the case that like. You only never have the time if you don't make the time. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just like, nope, I'm determined. This is a priority. I'm doing this. Like, suck it, Peter. And you know, he makes all his little spider bots that are monitoring crime across the city. So he's like, he doesn't have to swing around looking for stuff. He can say, like, oh, okay, I got to go over there. And you know how I feel about bots. <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 interesting. And then you know. He, I, not it's not really a spoiler, I I don't think, but when he finds out Venom's around, he's like, we got to get rid of, you know, I I got to deal with this, so. Yeah, you know, he's, just, he's a very proactive Spider-Man. In yeah. That Peter wasn't always, and um, it's it's really cool, uh, and I I really love the idea, and it it's not something I think we'll see, you know, again because I don't think anybody wants to just replicate this directly, but I love seeing this, you know let me see how I can approach being this hero. Like, you know, considering that I can feel like I know better. Yeah. So, but anyways, so someone made this thread and, and Dan slot, he keeps coming on our message boards, which is great, <laughs> but then he gets in these discussions with these people. And, and you know, it's, it's one thing if someone has a question or, or even, you know, a, a criticism, but then there are some people that, that really, you know, it's, I think, so someone mentioned that this is like one step below the Holocaust and he was just like, really? And it's just, I just, I just don't understand the whole thing. You know, if you don't like something fine, but I don't know. It's just, just really crazy. 
So and and he and he keeps jumping in and getting in these discussions and and there are some people you can just dis- have a discussion with and the other people maybe you shouldn't. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean this is interesting and I I still I, I guess you know we're, we're gonna see how long this lasts. Like when Amazing Spider-Man two comes out, is Doc Ock still gonna be, you know, in 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 Peter's body? Yeah. And uh, comics continuity and, and movie continuity are different. And plus, even if even if the movie and the comics were the same, this is Superior Spider-Man. That's Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, and I, I think when, like, Dark Knight came out or whatever, uh, Bruce Wayne was dead. So it's it's not like they, they have to make it you know, mesh up. They don't have to line up. And I think it's actually kind of um, – I've totally changed my mind on this, by the way. If you asked me two years ago what I thought on this topic, I would have been dead opposite. But I really like it when – the movies go a different direction from the comics because then there's more stuff out there to consume. You know, it's not just a rehashing in a different medium. It's, um, Hey, you know, Spider-Man is doing this in the movies, but he's doing this in the other thing in the comic books. And that's more Spider-Man. Yeah. The, the problem is if someone says like, Oh, I just saw this movie. Hey, maybe I should start reading some comics, check it out. And then, you know, it's like, there's nothing that really goes with what they just saw. And, and, why they can reboot with a new number one. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk about that in a bit. Yeah. Um, um, oh, and next week, they're coming out with Amazing Spider-Man 700.1. What? How did I miss that? Um, I just found out about it a little bit ago. They're, I think they're doing like four of them like each each week. They did this They did this a couple times. They did with a Spider-Man before. I don't know if it was Spectacular, one of the Spider-Man titles. And they did it with an Iron Man where – with with those they went back, so if it was like Iron Man like one fifty six or whatever it was, you know, it's like this the story took place in that time of the series. What doesn't make sense about this is so the, I posted a preview for seven hundred point one, and it's P, it's Peter Parker. It, it I didn't recognize I don't remember who who's writing it, um, but it's it's supposed to be Peter Parker. But it doesn't make sense that this is seven hundred point one because it can't be right after. Yeah, because uh, they're 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 saying Peter Parker's back. Right. So it's, it's, out. it's so I mean they they should have done some other number. I mean part of it I feel like again it's it's I like get, I totally get why they would do seven hundred. I mean like it's it's sort of a way of saying hey this is where you left off, you know. And if you you know presuming that you're a fan of Amazing Spider-Man and and want it to stay within like that kind of title's context rather than. Uh, in the the new superior context, otherwise they just re- or not renumber it, but like they would just consider it an issue of superior. So I think that the distinction is is kind of important, but but also sort of doesn't pay attention to what happened. So I mean, it, it just it it doesn't make any sense because it's it's not going to pick up right after seven hundred because seven hundred Doc Ock became Spider Man. So they should have did like you know. Six hundred and ninety point one, or right? No, I, that's what I mean. Like it's like they didn't pay attention to what actually happened in seven hundred, but they wanted to continue it so the people who who latched on to Amazing Spider-Man as as a series for that continuity. So it's a well-intentioned but misthought out. I don't know. And and it's it's weird because, like I said, it's it's like the the writer. Um, let me get his who's doing this. It's David. Morrell, Morrell. Wait, David Morrell. Is that's not the guy that um that wrote like First Blood and all those <laughs> other ones? Um, I I could be 
Um, Look him up on Comic Vine. That's what I'm doing. Cause, so let's see. Well, he did. I think it is. I think it's it's, it's the guy that that wrote. Yeah, he he he's the guy that created Rambo, and he's done a bunch of those other like um, guy spy or action books. You know, military heroic stories. I used to, I used to read a bunch of his stuff. Because yeah, he he wrote um, Captain America: The Chosen, and he's done some other stuff. So he's he's doing an issue of Amazing Spider-Man. I don't know if he's doing all of them. It's, it's so um, the the solicit says one year after his death at the hands of Superior Spider-Man, Peter Parker is back. See, I don't know if that means a year for us or a year for in in the continuity. Oh man. Because then it says acclaim, acclaim. I should have just read this. Acclaimed novelist David Morrell, First Blood, and legendary comics icon Klaus Janson team up to kick off the celebration of the world's greatest superhero. That seems like such an insult to like what Dan, Dan's doing. <laughs> um, then it says, with the blizzard crippling New York City, Spider-Man must protect the city, but Aunt May's life is in danger. That sounds like such a generic storyline. It absolutely does. So it's like, and and looking at the preview, preview doesn't really look like super exciting or anything. I mean, there's nothing going on. He, he's saving some people in the city. He webs up. There's a speeding car going at a couple and he makes a giant web like in the, the Spider-Man cartoon from the 60s. So it's like, I don't even know. And and this is going to cost three ninety nine. So it's like, is yeah, it going to okay, be worth so it? This is something I was talking about with some people the other day and I, I can't really tell. Are, are all comics edging towards that three ninety nine price point, or is it just for the oversized editions? I think they are, because um, I, I like when we're, we're posting stuff, new new series coming out, especially like the all new Marvel now. Like when last week, uh, Moon Knight, they they announced that, which I was crazy excited. Yeah. And and I've seen people put comments like, oh, three ninety nine. It's like, but I think that's that's where everything's going because it it looks and there's never there hasn't been an official statement, but it looks like that's what DC is kind of doing. Oh, they, absolutely. But, okay, here's the thing, and this is why I got confused the other day when I was talking to someone about this. So the DC books that I saw that were priced at three ninety nine had extra pages in them. Though. They were a little bit oversized. And so I, it was but like, it's only like two pages. Right. I think, and then the, the slicker cover. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and then I'm looking at this, uh, at your previews for next week, all these covers, and it's a grab bag, like Super Superior Spider-Man Teen-Ups three ninety nine. Uh, Darkest Hours is three ninety nine. Um, Secret Avengers is three ninety nine. Like it seems like all these Marvel ones I'm looking at are three ninety nine, except yeah. for Longshot Saves the Marvel Universe. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know who's buying that. And um, and Daredevil, Dark Knights. Yeah, oh, and Hulk and the Agents of Smash. So it looks like there's some budget price titles, and then there's Indestructible Hulk Annual at four ninety nine. Well, it's this an annual, so it's it's all over bigger. The map. Yeah, I don't know. It, this is odd to me. Like, I it, it's like they're trying to pilot it with titles that they know sell well, mm-hmm. um, or could sell well. They're like, oh, let's let's bump it up a little bit. But they give you the bonus digital edition. I don't think anybody reads the bonus digital edition. I do sometimes. Well, I mean, if I'm going to read it digitally, I'll read it digitally first. I'm not going to double buy it. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing some people do. It's like you know, I I I should just go digital. But you know, I, I still get get the physical copies, and there'll be times like on Wednesday when you know after I review everything, I was like, you know, oh, I want to read this, but I don't want to take all these comics home, so then I'll just you know grab the codes, or, yeah. or 
and and you know there's also like if I need an image for like you know best stuff in comics, it, it is easier to get them from the digital than to, than to break out the scanner and you know do all that. But yeah, I, it, it seems like everything's going towards 3.99, and and whether it's because they think they can get away with it or if just costs are going up. I mean, you know, they always say paper costs or printing costs. Right. So I, I just and it looks like all the all new Marvel novels are debuting at 3.99. I don't think it's because they think they can get away with it. It might just be because at this point they have to because of inflation or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, it it sucks, but I I think that's just the way it's going. So I don't know. Um, but people are complaining about it. But it's like comics are always going up. And you know they they've been holding the line at two ninety nine for you know a while now, so it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, no, it's just something that I kind of passively noticed the other day, but then I was like, maybe this is a thing, and yeah, they're being sneaky about it. And I, you know what though, I think it's good to be sneaky about it in that sense because if you just flat switch a whole line over from two ninety nine to three ninety nine, you're going to lose readers. They're going to panic. Yeah. So I don't know. It's 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 tough. I mean, I I feel bad when I see people posting. It's like, it's like, oh, I can only get you know five titles or something like that. It's like I don't know how you could do that, especially when they keep tying everything together and you know almost making it required that you buy all these books. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, Uncanny Avengers came out this week, so. People people have been asking me. It's like, should I read this comic? Should I you know read this series? And I was asking if I should read this series. Yeah, it, I mean, I'll admit it. The the first arc with with uh, Red Skull taking Professor X's brain or whatever and all that, I didn't dig that that first arc so much. And and part of it also, um, it it seemed like the the art was a little rushed at times. It just it wasn't John Cassidy's best, which was really hard for me because I I love his art and. Just like some of the issues, it was, it was just hard for me to look at because I, I, it didn't feel right. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's definitely picked up, and and Rick Remender's been picking up seeds from his Uncanny X Force run, and it's it's been getting pretty crazy. And this last issue, it got really crazy. Possible two people dying. Um, although there there's questions whether they actually die. You know, it's a comic book, so. Right. You know, who knows? But there's, I, I think it's going to be more so the repercussions of the fact that um, these characters went to, you know, made this decision and did this, and it's like, you know, what's what's everyone else going to think? And so this is kind of interesting. Uh, let's see, Deadpool Annual came out. Um, this this goes back in time and explains how come Deadpool doesn't have the the white caption box anymore. So, you know, just, I've picked it up, but I haven't read it yet, and that's kind of making me want to read it because that's kind of awesome. And and uh, Madcap's in there, so it's just it's it's crazy. So it's it's just wacky, wacky fun times. That is gonna that's in my to read pile for today because it's that post Thanksgiving like eat leftovers and read comics all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Science. I'm obsessed. All right, I already reviewed this. So I already said so. You can. Tell everyone you know what, what you thought. Uh, I, I'm kind of ashamed to say this. I didn't read your review for that's, it. That's okay. I just read the book, so I hope I'm not saying any of the same things. Um, I This just 
this just calls to mind so many really, really awesome things that I love. Um, it's got a very like, like Mass Effect and Trillium and just like all of the really, really cool uh, sci-fi kind of stuff that I'm into. But um, but then like the story is something that I, it's almost like Groundhog Day sounding. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm even interpreting that right, but that's what it's striking me as. And it's amazing. See, I, I, I felt um, the the character uh, what was the name Grant. Yeah. Um, he he kind of reminded me of of Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. Because you know there's like the family thing. He's a scientist. You know he's going to whatever extremes, but he he messes up. You know he'll he'll, he'll make mistakes and he he feels more human than Reed does. Cause, right. you know, I, I definitely get that same vibe because I this is this was our Thanksgiving discussion. Is <laughs> like Reed Richards is he a good dude? Um, well well and that that's that's what i like like it was early in in hickman's run on fantastic four when when reed just he wanted to solve everything right and then and, he finds the council of reeds and realizes the decisions that his alternate selves have made yeah then he's like oh maybe i need to spend some time with with the wife and kids or something yeah. so and then, like well and it's really interesting because like this this grant guy in black science like there's stuff that you know it's obvious like he's learned things you know and and he's it's like he's going through almost like he's going through the motions in his head, but they're really like tragic and scary motions. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's great because it, it feels more realistic, even though it's like totally, you know, sci-fi crazy adventures. It's not realistic, but it, it you know, it, it, there's something about having a flawed character or a character that makes mistakes. Cause you know, they're not perfect. So you have that. And then the art and colors were just, phenomenal it's, it's just crazy mm-hmm. um and 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 the other thing is what i like about this is like i have no idea where this series is going to go like you know like what what the overall direction and i kind of like that i like not knowing what to expect right versus yeah. you know your your regular fantastic four what you, you kind of have an idea okay. you know so. Well, and that's the thing. I swear, this is like our Thanksgiving around the table discussion. Uh, we were talking about how on um, on Big Two Comics, on licensed comics, uh, not just Big Two, but anything that, that you know you're working for somebody else, um, your job is is to sort of like preserve certain things. Like you can't just you know um, go willy nilly, like and you know make the Fantastic Four. Um, not into the first family. You can't, um, you know, make Batman suddenly get coping skills. Um, it's, you know, there's a certain, there's certain things that you have to preserve in order to like make that IP what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then on a creator own thing, I mean, like with black science, like he can do whatever he wants and because yeah. there's no precedent set. There's nobody else's sandbox to obey the rules for. And so it's kind of really awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you feel about, um, like series ending because you know that that's the other thing with with these established characters you know everyone has or pretty much everyone has to survive until they get resurrected but it's like the story needs to continue you can't have an ending and versus like something like you know why the last man or you know what something that that has an ending and then that's it well then that's the distinction between um you know ongoing comics like ongoing mainstream type comics where 
uh, it's like a soap opera. Like, you know, like days of our lives has been on since forever. And like, it's still going on. And the, the people acting in that show, uh, treat it as though there's nothing at all wrong with the fact that they, they're basically in stasis. Uh-huh. Um, because there's so many high marks of personal drama that happen that they don't feel like they're static. Yeah. Um, and the same thing happens with comics. I mean, like in terms of like actual progress, I mean, like how often do you even see people getting old? And if you see them getting old, it's part of some like flash forward arc or something. Yeah. And, and that, that's a weird thing also about like between Marvel and DC where Marvel, they've never really rebooted and, you know, they, they've been going since the sixties. They just kind of, kind of gloss over things and, and, um, I think it was actually Dennis Calero that that brought this up when we were talking about it. Well, um, it's like like things are kind of like on these cycles where you know if you think about like what happened the last ten twenty years in comics, the little tiny details aren't that important. But right. if, if if a character died or you know something big happened, those little little moments carry over. It's just the small things aren't that that important. So I, I think that helps these characters. You know, exist for 50 years with, without feeling old. Yet DC, they're constantly. I mean, they do allow their characters to age. You know, you, you had Dick Grayson who was, you know, 12, 13, and then you know now he's, you know, if if things didn't reboot in New 52, you know, he'd be in his early 20s. And I then maybe that's why DC has had to do reboots. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, what about Hawkeye? You you said you didn't get a chance to read that yet. I picked it up and then I fell asleep before I read it. <laughs> um, so this one focuses on Kate. Yes, I'm excited about reading that. That's on my list today. And are you familiar with Annie Wu? I am. I I really dig her stuff. Um, what has she done? Because I, I I'm drawing uh, a blank. I don't know. I always see her stuff like reposted on Tumblr. Let me find out what. Yeah. So she does the, the art and um. So I, I think I mentioned this. This focuses on Kate. So she's she's in L.A. and she's she's got Arrow or Pizza Dog. Oh, she did Batgirl Beyond. That's what it was. So I was just like, I don't know. I just keep seeing Annie Wu's things on Tumblr. That's okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember that. Um. So yeah, this is all all, all Kate. So it, it's kind of cool. One one problem I I have is they they kind of misuse the term selfie. Uh-oh. Because, yeah, everyone knows a selfie is when you take a picture yourself. <laughs> but she she takes a picture of this dude, and then he's like, um, she she took a picture of him as he committed a crime or whatever like that, and that, that got him busted. But he says she she took a, a damn selfie. But she, like, she didn't take a selfie of him because she took a picture of him. Yeah. Not of herself. So it's like maybe it's just this dude didn't know. That's why he was in jail because he he's not too bright. He doesn't understand the rules of internet photography. We gotta say, hey, you gotta talk to this guy, Brian Bucciolato. He's and, like the king of selfies. And he, and and you know the the other term he's he claims that he created the the stealth stealthy. Oh yeah, where he goes to the bank and uh, <laughs> takes a picture of the reflection in the security cameras. Yeah, and I—it's I, weird, but kind of funny. He's done it a few times, but someone commented. I saw they were like, "Who still goes to the bank?" 
And, and you know, that's an interesting <laughs> thing. It's like, you know, a lot of people go online, you know, or direct deposit or they'll just go to ATM deposit or checks, but he, he still waits in line. I can't remember the last time I actually went in a bank lobby. Yeah, I can't actually either. Um, Oh, you know what? No, I think like six months ago I went to a bank to to try and get like ten dollars with a quarter so I could do laundry because all the grocery stores were out of change. <laughs> That's what I do at banks. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this book called Infinity came out mm-hmm. this week, part six of six, and here's a part where I guess people will cringe. Uh oh. Um, I have not read this yet. Um. Part of it is I I kind of want to save this, so you know I. Because I, I reviewed the first issue and I read the second issue, and um, this is this is a series where I would feel bad for people not able to afford everything. Because I, I remember, and I, I think I brought this up before, like it, issue, issue two. I mean, they they do a good job where it's like it's not like it's essential to read everything, but I, I remember the second issue. There, I think there's like either six or eight panels on two pages where they're showing scenes. From the different issues tying in, you know, there's one like Namor, there's one of Wolverine, you know. You, so you see all the stuff that happens, and luckily I had read those other issues before I read issue two. But I was thinking, like, looking at it, because you know, when we review, we try to not just review it for ourselves, but you try to think about the new readers and you know everyone, all, all the other stuff. Right. So I was kind of looking at this, like, seeing these these one little panels. People would be wondering, like, what the heck is going on? You know, why is that there? And and you know, maybe that would give them incentive to go check those issues out. But again, if they they couldn't afford them, that would be a problem. So I I got behind. Um, I gathered up um, issues uh, three, four, five, and six. And I plan to read this weekend. We'll see if that happens. Binge reading. It's like uh, it's like binge watching shows on Netflix for those comics. Yeah, and you know some people do that, and I I I, I kind of envy the people that that say they they trade weight. Um, I can't and, trade weight. Like I try. Okay, no, I trade weight for like two titles, but it's hard. It's hard because one, it's possible you're gonna get spoiled. Right. And then two, like for you know being in this this spot, you know in this profession, whatever. It's like you know you're gonna hear things. Otherwise, you sound uninformed. Well, there there's that, but then a lot of times. Things will come out like you know this is going to lead into you know inhumanity, and you know so little things are are going to get spoiled. You're going to find out like oh this character has changed, this character has died, and you know so yeah. you know if you're so immersed in the internet or at least in like you know websites that deal with this and you try to trade weight, I mean I, I and I also feel bad people that are in under other countries. They're like, like, yeah, we're, we don't get that until like, you know, eight months later. I'm just like, oh my goodness. Yeah, I, uh, I, I only traded it on a couple titles, and the one I really actually like, I omnibus weight, mm-hmm. um, and that's Walking Dead, just because like. Yeah, a lot of people seem to do that. Well, it's, I don't know. For me, it's it's so much easier to consume that particular title in like a giant binge. Mm-hmm. And so I, yeah, I just wait for the massive volumes to come out, and then I sit there and spend half a day reading them. Because because I I didn't read Walking Dead when it first came out because I was like, oh, it's it's another zombie comic, like whatever. That's exactly what I thought. And then when those the hardcovers came out that had twelve issues, I, I picked up a couple of those. I was like, oh my goodness, this is this is really good. So I I was getting those, and I think it was when the fifth one came out 
and you know it was, it was going to be you know I think it was going to be like six months or so or something to like the, I was like I can't wait so it was right around I think issues like seventy something um, and I think I think or I, I think it left off on seventy two maybe. And then at the series was like in the eighties. I was like, well, you know, that's only like a, a dozen comics. So I, I tracked down the single issues and then I've been reading it since then. But then the bad thing is I stopped buying the hardcovers because they're, you know, they're like 25, 30 bucks a book. And then since I'm getting this, the single issues. So now I'm, I'm caught up. Although I, <laughs> I did not read this week's issue 117. Um, cause, and now that it's coming out, you know, twice a month. Ah, uh, so. double shipping. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's just they're doing a twelve-part arc, so this is a, I guess, the first time they've done such a long um, arc. Hmm, something just happened in the issue, but I guess I shouldn't talk about it. It's like, a, uh, okay, here, here's a question about zombies. Okay. In, in general, and, and you know, it all, I guess it all depends on on uh, whatever ground or you know whatever they they, they lay out. One, I've always wondered, how come the animals don't turn into zombies? You know, and maybe it's just something with the, with the so, human genetic makeup. Yeah. So the way, and I guess it depends which mythos you're dealing with. Like, we're we talking Walking Dead or just zombies as a whole. I guess in general, because I, I know there, there, so, I've seen some where it's like there were some like zombie birds or you know right. other stuff like that. So in what I would consider like the more modern interpretation of how people become zombies, which is that they're infected by something. Like you know, you think of the zombies like the walkers are like infected. Um, I think it's kind of like how, like, if you get the flu and, like, but you have, like, a dog and a cat and they don't get the same flu. Yeah. Is that, like, our physiology is maybe more attuned to becoming mm-hmm. zombies. Yeah. And, and maybe our pets aren't. And so, like, you don't see zombie animals because if it's communicated by some sort of, like, virus type thing, uh, they just, they don't have the, the right makeup for it. But then the other, the other question is, so what happens if uh, an animal or a bird or something like eats an infected zombie like eats the meat is like is that just gonna be fine because i would think that would be totally tainted and disgusting and so like you know like if you have a uh let's say a dog you know wild dog living in the streets you know in the zombie apocalypse and then there's a a dead zombie that you know has had his head chopped off or whatever and he decides to start snacking on it is it gonna provide sustenance or is he gonna get a stomach ache I would say it's almost the same situation as if it was like a plague body, you know? Yeah, it'd be be kind of gross. I wouldn't want to eat a, a dead zombie carcass. Well, no, I mean, but, you know, that's because we just all had Thanksgiving and, and we're full of like really good food. But you know, if if situations were different and there wasn't a lot of food, then maybe that the zombie looks tasty. Yeah. Or maybe it's exotic. Maybe you're just like, I wonder if I could eat this and live. <laughs> We'll never find out. Yet. I'm not going to eat a dead zombie to find out. I'll do it. You're gross. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Tell us how, about how great Pretty Deadly was. I didn't get a chance to read this. Oh, you didn't read it? It's really, really good. Um, so the second issue, like stylistically – um, and, and I guess from a storytelling angle, not from an art file, because the art's still very consistent. But uh, from a storytelling angle, it's a little bit of a departure from the first one, because the first one's very much got this, like, kind of, like, fairy tale framing to it, um, you know, with the whole 
song uh, and then the backstory on Death Face Jenny and all that stuff. Uh, and this one just goes straight into very direct action. Um, and, and Ginny shows up and she's just super awesome. Um, and there's a lot of blood and there's a lot of just things happening. And so where the first one was very much framing, um, this one complements it by just going right for the punch. And it's good because I think, um, if you start a series, uh, you know, obviously there's no, uh, there's no precedent to follow with it. Uh, but if you start it with something that's a little bit um, more indirect, like having all of these flashbacks and like framing and all of that world building, uh, I think it's easy to lose readers uh, if your second issue is the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that was a, just a brilliant choice by Kelly Sudeconic. Like she just went right in there. Uh, and so there's a lot of action. Uh, there's uh, this is this is the issue that I would say um, is maybe not appropriate for younger readers. Yeah, I opened it up. I was like, yeah, <laughs> you open and then you see boobs, and it's. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, of course, was reading it at work, and <laughs> I just quickly changed tabs. This happens a lot. Like I, I'll read Sex Criminals to review it, and uh, it'll be at work, and I have to like hide the tab, but then like the top of it like still says to Sex Criminals, and so it's like, what are you looking at? It's just my hobby. Just right. get, off, get off my back. Right. Um, <laughs> nothing. I'm just looking at words and pictures about sex criminals. Um, but, yeah, no, so uh, this one definitely puts it out of the uh, all-ages range. But, I mean, not that it really was before, but it's really, I mean, there's boobs right away. Um, but it's awesome. It's I'm really, really happy that whatever circumstances happen to get this creative team together because they just work so naturally. Um, I feel, I don't know what it's exactly like with them. I feel like they just all sit there on like a Google hangout or something and have like these really amazing and intense brainstorming sessions. Um, but I mean, like Kelly Sue's giving Emerios like so much to work with and like so many ways to use like this gorgeous sweeping, like, line art style with like a lot of brush strokes and there's so much detail work and like these environments are just gorgeous and beautiful. And then Jordi Belair comes in with the colors and really takes it next level. Cause I I've seen uh you remember when we were up in Portland for that mm-hmm. convention, we saw all the black and whites Yeah, and it was beautiful, but it is nowhere near the same as, as the final color pieces. And, and there's a lot of texture that, that comes out with the coloring and it's just, it's amazing. I'm I'm always torn about you know black and white versus color because you know a lot of times you know the, the original art the pencils and the inks you know there there's something about that and some people need to be colored though yeah I'm, I'm not saying that Amarius is one of the yeah, no 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 I'm I'm just saying in general yeah right some people if you don't have a colorist it's it, it just lacks something um, and then there's other people that you know you already have a very very stunning. Uh, illustrator, you know, in this case, uh, Emma Rios is doing both the pencils and the inks. Um, it almost sometimes looks like she goes straight to ink because the brush strokes are so just natural and flowing. Um, but her work, um, just because there's so many lines on the page, uh, and this is, I can't imagine that this is an easy task for Jordi Belair. Like she has to go in there and, you know, isolate all of these lines to give them different depth and colors and textures and stuff, but it works. And it plays very well on the page. Uh, this is one of those ones. It's like, you know, I pick it up digitally so you can zoom in. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, so going back to the color in black and white, like like yeah. Walking Walking Dead, I could not imagine that colored. No, in color it'd be mushy. Because think about it, like look at the TV show. Like if you pause any frame on, on the Walking Dead TV show, it's overwhelmingly brown. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's like browns and grays. And so on the page, Walking Dead has to be in black and white. Otherwise, you're just looking at mud. And so like if you think about it, like the the additional like printing cost to make it look muddy and gross just by adding color, whereas like readers can get exactly what they need out of the black and white. I think that's fine. Because they they um, did the first episode of Walking Dead in black and white, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. Oh, the TV series? Yeah, because I, I I don't know if they did I don't know how many if they only did the first episode or if they did a few. That's interesting but. to me. I I was late on that bandwagon. I didn't start watching until I think season three was already on television. And I um, what's that? Yeah. Well, anyways, on Netflix it's in color. Yeah. Um, but but then the other thing is you know talking about color, like a lot of times, and I, I brought this up many times with like science fiction comic, like Star Wars comics. Yeah. Sometimes the colors. It, it makes it look too artificial. It's like it, it's too bright, and it just it doesn't look look right. But then um, this week also uh, the special edition of Sandman Overture came out. It, it's it's kind of weird because it's it's in black and white, but I I can't really tell if this is like the original process or if they just stripped the colors out. Because mm. I I thought um, J H Williams. I mean, because like the way he works, like you know, I, I I don't know, I don't know. And but then the other weird, the interesting thing about this, they made the the text translucent, so you can see what's happening underneath. So that's kind of cool. Oh, that so, is. So if you want to see all the art, so um, but what's crazy is isn't it like February when the, the second issue is coming out? Is it? I. I have no concept of print schedules anymore. Like we get those previews and um, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with my eyes. Like I go and look at the previews website to see what's coming out next. First off, somehow I missed that amazing Spider-Man 700.1. Like I was going through and I'm like, oh, what are my essentials for next week? And I didn't even see it. So I think I have like blinders on or something with that. It's um, also hard because a lot of times there's like reprints and, so, you know, so yeah. you just you see something and you're like, oh, it's not coming out. So then... I also really want to like – go find somebody at previews and like shake them and be like, hire a better web designer. Like Ugh. that site is gross. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, it's just crazy that issue two is, is so delayed. I don't think it's crazy though. Honestly, like with how busy those guys are. It is, but they, they announced it last year at San Diego. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know how, how much of a head start they, they got on. And, and, you know, JH Williams was working on Batwoman, but it just, I, I it it seems kind of bad where okay you know after all these years people are going to buy the issue and originally it was supposed to be every two months but now it's like well in, instead of you know two months you have to wait four months yeah. and and that's just going to interrupt the flow because and then some people might be like well why don't I just wait till it's collected as a trade and then the problem with that because I mean that that's something that um, James Robinson talked about with with the Shade miniseries he did. Where a lot of people were, were waiting, they're like, I'm gonna wait for the trade, and then the sales weren't that great. Well, okay, so this is where Sam and I think is in 
a very unique position where, you know, you have like books that are, that don't already have like a tested and a proven market, you know, yes, waiting for the trade kills their sales and, and causes cancellations. I don't think these two are going to have any problem with that. Like, I think they could do one issue a year and people would still buy it. And, and I think that just kind of, kind of speaks to the, the property, but I don't, like, I don't feel like they're in the same boat as, you know, somebody with a new creator on a book that, you know, every issue sales sort of determines whether that book's still going to happen. Yeah. All right, let's get through a few more. Um, Nova 100, or number 10, came out. Uh, this was was fun. And Zeb Wells is leaving, and Jerry Dugan's taken over. So they both wrote stories in here. Okay. So that, that, that kind of... Bridges the gap between there. Yeah. Um, Uncanny X Force came out. This issue fourteen, so more stuff uh, with with that bear, the <laughs> Revenant Queen. Um, some interesting stuff with with Psylocke. So, um, I I really am enjoying uh, like the the whole demon bear thing. I don't know. So this is what I wanted to talk about before. Um, so we, we sort of got in a little discussion on Twitter with Matt. Um, I kind of jumped in because I, I don't know I don't know how it started, but the whole thing about all the number ones oh, yeah. and, and all that. And I I've I I don't like relaunching series like constantly. It it, it drives me nuts, you know. Okay. I, I I think it makes complete sense. Like I mean. Yeah, yeah. The reason why they do it makes sense, but it's like I want my my series to be you know you know six hundred and whatever you know and all that. So I I get that. Um, but and, new readers, a new reader is not going to come on board and start picking up a series if it's in issue five hundred and twelve. You know, at that point they're going to be like, do I have to go back and read all five, it, yeah. 11 previous issues? And you know, when you've been reading comics for a while and you kind of understand that, yeah, it's okay to just jump on board in the middle and like if you need to catch up, you can. But, like, there's no – it's not like you're jumping in the deep end without your floaties. You know, like, there's usually enough context to figure out what's going on. But new readers, especially that are new to comics, don't get that. And and you have to kind of give them a really, really welcoming jump-on point or you don't get them as a new reader. Because mm-hmm. I, I think Corey said that, like, an issue five is kind of like an issue 50 to him because you feel like that you're already so, you know, behind. But, but that just seems – I don't know. Um, it seems a little, little crazy. What I, I think they're doing with Thor, um, someone tweeted me a cover. I, I forgot what issue it, it was, but it still has the, the regular numbering. But at the top, there's like a big like number one because it's, it's like the first issue in a new arc. So it's like they could easily do that. You know, put the big number one there, and then hide somewhere else the original numbering, so you can still retain that that numbering. Well, what does that serve then? Like. How if you hide it, is it really there? Like, well, I mean, because for me, it's like, like with the, the the BPRD comics, you know, they 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 release them in in miniseries, and but then when you, you look on the inside cover, it'll say, you know, this is issue ninety eight of a series, even though it's it's issue two of whatever story arc. So, and, and when when you look at it like that, because if you are start collecting all of them, when you're having all these volumes, then you're like, okay. And especially if you're just getting trades or whatever, then you're not going to know, am I supposed to read this before this? So having that original numbering, at least you know you have a, 
once you're ready for it, you can see, okay, this is where it fits in. This is, you know, in terms of the context or the overall, you know, history of, of the series. I don't know. I like, I think we just disagree on this because I, I don't think that renumbering really stops me from having context to first make fits of the series. And I think the reason for that is because, um, I don't know when I, I follow writers more than I follow characters now. And so if I, if I'm talking about like Captain Marvel, for example, like I can reference Kelly Sue DeConnick's Captain Marvel run and I know exactly what I'm talking about. And I think other people do too. Um, and you know, historically where it fell, you know, that, you know, it's Carol, you know, it's, and you can compare it to like, you know, seventies Captain Marvel, which is totally different, but like it's, you know, knowing that it's Captain Marvel issue 16 or, you know, whatever, I don't know if that really gives me the same context. Well, okay, then, then here's my other problem with Uncanny X-Force. So this series is ending. This is kind of a, a different situation because there will be another X-Force series, but it's not going to be directly following this series necessarily because, you know um, – because Uncanny X-Force and Cable X-Force are both ending, and then this new X-Force, Cable's going to be in there. I think Psylocke might be in there. I forget who else. But the way it kind of looks like, okay, this, this series is ending, and it, it almost feels like Marvel's just saying, all right, you, you go over here. You finish. Do what, what you want. We're, we're focusing. We're already promoting the next launch. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like they're turning their back on these these last remaining series, or like like FF, which you know I so love the series – you know, and it kind of feels like like they they see it as not being important. You know, like they've already given up. There's like, okay, we're gonna cancel the series and we're gonna focus on this. So it's like we don't care about that anymore. See, okay, this is where I I disagree with you, but it's because I don't know. Maybe I just have this like happier, optimistic viewpoint on it. I don't think they're giving up because it's not like they cancel it and don't finish out the arc. You know, they're just saying, hey, by the way, we're starting at number one. And yeah, it's a different story, but, you know, at, at some point that arc was going to end anyways and you'd have to go another direction. And so I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing to, to do the renumbering. And the other thing is that it's kind of a, I think we look at it from sort of a clouded viewpoint because when we start, you know, we pay close attention to the previews and we're, we're noticing solicits a lot. And, and a lot of that has to do with like sort of the marketing machine aspect, but mm-hmm. from the perspective of the story itself, I don't know. I don't think it's that dismal. I don't know. And I, I'm also looking at like, if, if someone's saying, Oh, what's this FF comic? And then Eric, Oh, it's going to end. Eh, whatever. Then, you know, they, they won't bother picking up the trades or, you know, trying to figure out what, what this great series was. Though, because all right, so if it has an ending, it's not worth picking up. What about what about miniseries? Do you read well, those? Well, I'm saying some people, if if they're so limited on their budget, if they say you know I can only get you know X amount comics, this one's ending. You know why should I read these last couple issues when there's gonna be something new? Well, because you don't have to pull it anymore when it ends. I don't know. Yeah, I, it, it's just because like I really like Uncanny X Force, and it almost feels like. You know, so yeah, we were on issue fourteen, but it kind of doesn't feel like like they really had a chance to do more. It's like I I would love to see what what Sam Humphreys would do, you know, after this arc, but and and yeah, you know, he's going to be working on something else, whatever. But it it just 
it, it just it bothers me a little bit. It's like you know you get invested in, in these this, these characters a series, but then now the way it is, it looks like Marvel's doing this like almost every year where they're going to relaunch the series, and in in some cases it's still essentially the same thing. That's fine, but if they're just going to kind of test the waters, I don't know. Well, I think the opportunity to test the waters, honestly, is best done in, like, minis and tie-ins. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm i completely okay with the idea of, of doing a relaunch just to – like, especially if you're moving people around in new titles. Um, it's a definitive stopping point. Like, you know, for example, like, if Sam is moving on to something else and not writing Uncanny X-Force, you know that after, like, the new issue number one, it's going to be – whoever else is run on Uncanny X-Force, and then you can reference it by a neat little chunk in time rather than, like, oh, remember issues, like, 1 through 19 or whatever? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm still caught up in the, the history of it all. Like, when, when, when Hickman took over Fantastic Four, you yeah. know, they didn't number that as number one, and, you know, it was fine. It, it is and it isn't, though. Here's the thing. Okay, so I... And, Hickman's run on Fantastic Four is actually one of my very favorites, but it's also really hard if you have people who, um, like I guess before the trades came out, um, and then you're like, oh, um, I think it starts in the mid 560s. Like you should go find it. It's when Hickman starts writing it, and you know it's so awkward to pinpoint that. Um, and now of course it's easy to to find them in the trades, but um, I don't know when stuff's still ongoing and you have a creative team change and it's, it's one that you want to recommend. What do you mm-hmm. do? Just be like, Hey, pick up issues like 549 through 586. And I don't know. That seems so strange. You're strange. Probably. <laughs> All right. Uh, the flash. I just, yeah, let's get through a couple more. Um, flash came out zero year. Yep. Uh, Francis and Brian's last issue. And then Brian comes back. I think he's come back in 27. Yep. I think because uh, 26 is going to be written by Christos Gage. So this was fun because we you know we get to see Barry Allen as Barry Allen doing his crime scene investigated stuff. I always like seeing that kind of stuff. Like it's, um, you know, I know that their their superhero identity is why we're reading the comics. Sometimes getting like a nice little slice of what happens before that ever was them mm-hmm. is really great. Yeah. And, you know, we get to see the first meeting between Barry and Iris, which is really cool. Uh, my problem was the art in the beginning. So, I mean, it, you know, it, it wasn't horrible. I just – I felt some things didn't look right. There is a little bit of some inconsistencies. So that that was kind of the bummer where um, I understand that Francis couldn't do the entire issue. You know, it was an oversized issue. Yep. Or, and you know, at least he did the last few pages, but it just it would have been nice as their 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 final issue together to have them both be able to do, and and also because like twenty four ended, you know that that was the end of the big reverse flash arc, and then this is just kind of like well let's go back to you know the zero year, so it was kind of weird, but it was good, and I'm glad it, what I've seen a lot of people seem to really they really like this issue. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the story a lot. Uh, I I agree, the art was kind of inconsistent, uh, and I I do wish that Francis has had the time for a full issue on it. But I mean, this is the thing, and it's it's almost it's a little bit unfair in the way that comics are made, um, and the way that that stuff happens. Like it's so much harder to write 
or no, it's so much harder to draw as many pages in a day as one can write. Like, I mean, like there's people who can knock out like 17 pages in a day writing, but like even superstars can maybe get like two good pages in a day. Yeah. So it's crazy. Um, Catwoman was speaking of zero year. So Catwoman was, was a fun book. So John Lehman wrote that. Um, yeah, I, think, I don't think a lot of people realize that there was a, uh, writer switch on that. Yeah, I didn't realize it until we got to preview it, and I'm like, like, oh, wow. So, so it it was fun. Yeah. Um, um, then the other one I want to mention, I don't know if there's anything else. Uh, the Max Maximize. Did you ever read the Max, Sam Keith? I did not. So they, it's coming out now through IDW, and it's remastered. Okay. So, um. It, it's coming, so it, it's weird because I, you know, I read this series, so I picked. I didn't read this, but you know, I flipped through it. I read it when it first came out, so it's interesting that they, they, they brought it back. So, All right. just wanted to point that out to people, because like he had a like an animated series. They showed an MTV, I think it was. So it's, it's kind of interesting. Oh, and also that that James Bond omnibus came out, so I I've started reading that. I. Which apparently also has boobs in it. Yeah. And the, these women, they're just like, oh, yeah. There's just this one. Um, he, he saves this woman that was buried in the, the sand at the beach up to her head. She was, like, knocked out. So this person buried her so she would drown when the, the tide came. Oh. And, and and she was topless. And then, and then you know, so James saves her. Because <laughs> I my murder people. I make sure to put them... Sure. Yeah, because I, I, the the killer wanted to make it look like you know she was she decided to go out for a swim, you know, and mm-hmm. but then she's like she's like, she's like oh I'm a model so yeah I'm I'm okay with you know being seen and so they're just like they're just having conversation and <laughs> yeah so it was the 70s and so these are newspaper um, strips and um, I, I've noticed that some of the the lettering like some of the words. Are spelt a little different. There's there's a couple times where it it's off a little bit, like whether it's the grammar or and there's a lot of the the OUs like spelling like they do overseas, like like favorite. So I I'm not sure what the specific history I, I it, it probably says in in the book, but um it, it's it's fun because I I'm so surprised they don't do a James Bond comic like nowadays. I wonder who has the license for that. Well, because Titan Books is reprinting these these old strips because this is I, I think this was the the third volume. Um, no, this is the fifth volume of, of the Omnibus. Uh, so I don't know if they just have the rights to the old ones. I mean that's probably the case. Otherwise, you think they would do something current. But I, I've always I was always surprised like when the James Bond movies come out that they don't make a someone doesn't try doing you know a spy story because like as we've seen in Velvet you know from Ed Brubaker and Steve Efting I mean you know you can definitely do the genre but at the same time I guess you you know it it would be so easy just to put out something with the the name attached and have it be garbage mm-hmm. so maybe it's it's good that they haven't done that. So, um, let's look at some questions. Yeah, questions. Because um, it's like we haven't done emails, I think, lately. Or we're just doing the mix. I don't remember. 
So here's one from Don, Batman 404. Um, actually, this is from November 15th, and some of these questions are actually answered. This has to do with a um, Damien, son of Batman. So he said that he listened to the podcast where we talked about it. He said, when I first read it, I didn't like it because it seemed like Damien was out of character when he was with um, Batman. However, the last page made me go back and reread it. Now I think the Batman who died wasn't ever supposed to be Bruce, but most likely Dick Grayson. Kubert had us thinking it was Bruce, but never actually said it was. Um, there, there's no mention of funeral being for Bruce Wayne. Rache said the Batman lineage, which to me means there has been more than one Batman, not including temporary fill-ins. Um, so basically, anyways, uh, the second issue addresses these things. So I do have to give that to the second issue that they do. And you know that that's also that's the problem when you read single issues and you review the single issues because sometimes things don't really make sense, but then when you read the whole story, it all fits together. But then at the same time, it's like you know we we can't wait until the end to review it. So right, because then we're not current. Yeah, so it's it, that's always a tough thing when when you're reviewing one part that you know of course you're not getting the whole story and. Things may make sense at the end, but at the same time, you know, maybe there's like, oh, we kind of that was unclear. Let, let's fix this in the, in the next issue. You know, if they do any last minute scrambling, so I don't know. Um, Ryan Kale, he wants to know uh, which are your favorite X Men creators. What do you like? Ooh, is this an all time or like right now? I think all time. I mean, it's easy to say, you know, Claremont and Byrne. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Claremont has to be there, but now, oh, that's tough. What 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 are your thoughts on the Grant Morrison X Men? Um, you know what? I actually okay. So recently, after uh, events that happened in Uncanny X Force, right now, uh, I decided to actually revisit Grant's run on that book on uh, X Men because. It involves a character here, a couple of characters he created. Uh, and so I lugged out that omnibus. I think I'd like it more now than I did before. Yeah, I didn't, I wasn't all that crazy, like Cassandra Nova and all that. And right, yeah. With them, like, exposing the X-Men to the world. I, I really didn't like that. Um, before, I was kind of like, eh. And now, I, I don't even know what that sound effect was, by the way. Um, <laughs> but... I think I'm really into it now. I'd have to reread it. Yeah, sometimes it's just I don't know if it's nostalgia or knowing that stuff comes back or or maybe that I like at the first time I read it I really wasn't that into Morrison and now I kind of come around and so I'm like oh I appreciate this now. I don't know. In terms of artists, you know, obviously John Byrne. Um, oh, absolutely. I would say Alan Davis is because he's one of my favorites. Um, Mark Silvestri, Jim Lee, and then, and then you got the current guys. I don't know, but those those immediately come to mind. Yeah. Um, it's such a long ranging series that it's just like it's almost impossible to really pinpoint that stuff too. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. At least it wasn't who's your all time favorite. That makes it harder. That's true. Um, which has been your favorite replacement hero? 
For example, Dick is Batman, Doc Ock is Spider-Man. <laughs> that's, that's unfair. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's it. Um, I yeah, I would have to go with with Ben Riley as Spider-Man. Oh, you'd win points with Kyle. He also really likes Ben Riley. Yeah, I love Ben Riley, and <laughs> it was funny because I, I I'm not gonna go into it now, but I've I've gone into my rants on um, my rant on why Ben Riley I don't think he's dead. But at Long Beach, there's this this guy dressed up in uh, Ben as Ben Riley as Spider Man, his Spider Man costume, not Scarlet Spider. And um, we started talking, and I was like resisting the urge, and then I had to go into it, like why I don't think Ben Riley died in that, yep. that last confrontation. I remember that rant. <laughs> I've done it so many times on on different podcasts, so I won't do it again. But then the funny thing is on on Facebook, he. He messaged the, the Facebook page because when I posted a picture of him, he's like, "Oh, thanks for posting that picture. You know, it's great talking to you." And so I sent him a link to the, the article I wrote. So, so I won't get into that again. Um, why does Batman always go all the way back to the Batcave when he could use any of his other secret bases, which Damien mentioned, to much of the same effect while saving time? I think it's maybe. I don't think his other bases are as fully equipped. I don't think any of the other bases have that giant penny. Yeah, there's that, or the dinosaur. <laughs> I, I I think part of it might be a comfort thing, you know, all yeah. his his stuff. Even if he has like a crime lab, you know, it, it's not going to be fully stocked. Right. And I I would wonder how much access, you know, how accessible is the back computer, you know, with with security and you know Wi-Fi settings or whatever. He probably has like the bat cloud. I mean. But is that secure? You know, someone could just try to hack into it. Okay, but I mean, like, they could also do that to a number of his other things. Yeah. So I, I just wonder how, um, I, I wonder how, if, 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 if each of his other places are at the same level as the Batcave. Probably not. They're probably just sort of like little, like, whatever, like little shacks that he, not shacks, I mean, he's insane, <laughs> but, you know, just kind of whatever. He just likes working in the shadow of the giant penny. It's that giant penny. It makes sense. I'm not sure. He's he's emotionally attached. Makes him feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I, I've never really felt at home uh, without a, a giant coin and a dinosaur. So. Yeah. Why is S.H.I.E.L.D. not concerned about Spider-Man's private army and massive surveillance work, even disregarding Ock? Why has no one... Told him that's not okay. Seems like nobody cares. He's turning NYC into his own personal Latveria. So oh, if Latveria is awesome. So if people aren't up up to date with Superior Spider-Man, aren't reading it. Um, he has his own like Spider Army. He has his own kind of task force. Um, he took over. I think it was Rikers. Um, basically, he kind of blackmailed Jameson into giving him the island, and that's like now his base. And he has like his own little army. So when his his spider octobots say there's a crime, he can tell these guys, "Hey, you guys go and deal with this." Um, as far as why Shield isn't concerned, I mean, I I think part of it would be if he has Jameson's blessings. So if if the mayor of a city says, "Okay, I'm going to approve this task force," then they're not really doing anything wrong. I mean, it's not like they're you know declaring martial law on the citizens or anything like that. So I think that's that would be why. So um, that's that's what I'm going with. 
All right. Um, Crazy Flash Fan 11. Uh, he says, I've been noticing that I have hardly picked up any new Marvel books lately, and I was wondering if there were any new ones worth a look. Um, obviously, this is good timing, considering all new Marvel now, but I was wondering if either Avengers AI, Mighty Avengers, Amazing X-Men, or even older stuff like Superior Spider-Man was worth a look. Um, Avengers AI, I love that series. Yeah, I'm really digging it, too. I mean, one, you have a Doombot, which is hilarious. And I just, I, I really, I, I'm really fascinated. Like, all those characters, I, I was never really totally crazy like about the characters in that book. Like, Hank Pym, he's never been my favorite, but I, I like that he's got the spotlight now. I think um, Sam Humphreys is doing a great job fleshing out his personality, and, you know, this is coming out after Age of Ultron, so we're seeing a re- repercussions of, you know, what he did back in time when Wolverine and Sue went and told him about Ultron and all that. So, it, and and I also like how it, it's not as attached to the other Avengers books. You know, I, I love Hickman, um, and, you know, I've always said I like new Avengers more than regular Avengers, but Avengers AI, is, it's a, in its own little corner. So I, I like that. You could just read that and not have to worry about what's going on in, in all the other Avengers books. Um, Mighty Avengers, uh, that's okay. I I wasn't crazy about the in, Infinity tie-in. That here we we have this this group that kind of came together because Thanos unleashed an army. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see how that's going to go. Amazing X Men. Right now they're just dealing with Nightcrawler. You know, getting him back. And I was wondering why we had that series when you know. So Jason Aaron's writing this, but then we also have uh, Wolverine and the X Men. So it felt like you know we have kind of the two things because there's a lot of the same characters, but um, Wolverine the X Men is going to be ending, which oh yeah that the annual and the issue came out this week. Those were were pretty good. Um, we didn't talk about that. Um, and Superior Spider Man, you know, we talked about that about how how great that is. Um, as far as new stuff, uh, I I'm definitely interested in see what James Robinson is going to do with uh, Fantastic Four. It sounds crazy that he's really kind of tearing down a team. I think I think it was uh, the thing is wanted for murder or something like that, and maybe like Johnny lost. It's like like the team's a mess. Right. So it's it's like that's gonna be interesting to see there. I don't know how we feel about the costumes. Like I think they're like red and blue or some or red and black. So I don't know about that. Um, Robbins is also doing all new Avengers, which could be interesting. Um, I'm definitely super excited about Moon Knight. Um, I just found out uh, there's going to be a, a Ghost Rider series. Did you know about that? I did not. I think it was announced at at, um, at New York Comic Con. Because I think it was announced back in October. But I totally don't remember that when uh, we were like summarizing all, all the, the Marvel news. But uh, I think it was CBR had had a exclusive um, look at the cover. And apparently it's going to be someone else. It's going to be some new kid as Ghost Rider. So I don't know how I feel about that. It, it, it's, it's unfortunate that um, the last one when we had a female uh, Ghost Rider, that that series just didn't make it. So I, I don't know the idea of yet another Ghost Rider. So um, I'm trying to think what else is coming out in all-new Marvel now. 
I'm psyched for that Black Widow book. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. That that is gonna be. Um, I think you and I are, will will. If if you review that, I will fight you to review that book. But the, see, the thing is, your reviews come out so late. Oh, they don't have to. <laughs> I I think we'll maybe we, we can do like a alternate issues or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's what like Matt and I were doing with Superior Spider-Man. We were like doing every other one, and then and then he kind of fell off of it because there's just like so many books that come out sometimes. So it, it's it's hard like when when you guys are limited what what how many you can do. I know it's actually sort of astounding me. Like I was tallying up how many I read every week, and it's like this is a lot. Yeah, because I um, so like what I do, you know, and in case people don't know, it's like you know, when Monday comes out, you know, we figure out who's going to review what issues, and then what I try to do is I, I look at what what hasn't been selected or assigned or whatever, and try to do yeah. as many other ones as I can. Um. And it, it's hard sometimes, because there's just just so many, and Wednesdays are just crazy days. Um, but yeah, that that's that's gonna be. I I I I just love Phil Noto's art so much. So, um, I and I I just hope that that series makes it. I do too. I mean, it. We'll see what happens, but it's gonna be gorgeous no matter what. Yeah. Did you see Thor: The Dark World? I did. Okay. Um, here's a question from CJ. Um, it's a, he. It's been a while since he sent some questions, but he said, uh, "So Thor to or Thor to Dark World had some cool Easter eggs that I missed. Um, so you remember when um, the what's his name Selvig when he was um, giving his his like speech and they had that chalkboard behind him." So I guess there's some stuff on there which I didn't notice this in there. Um, um, CJ sent some some pictures uh, um, on the board when there's all this stuff scribbled on there. It, there's one thing it said six one six universe. Oh, interesting. So that that was um, the film continuity recognizes that. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, so there's this. He gives a link to this one website, whatculture.com, as ten neat little Easter eggs. Maybe I should click on that. Um, go through some of these. So I guess at the end when they showed a, the different realms, I don't know if, about this one, but one was there's a fire world. So they're, they're, they said there's a distinctive shape moving around, and the shape appears to be searcher. Which maybe I didn't I didn't notice that because I, I did I I That's really subtle. I, I kind of thought about when I saw the fire. I, I thought it's like it's like oh but. I didn't. I didn't notice any um, any shape. Oh, okay. I don't like this website already because this is one of those where it's it's a list, but you have to click next. Oh, I hate those. So it's I like, oh, those. give us more page views. I'm so glad we don't do that. Yeah. Um, Odin's Raven. Okay. Oh, that's not a big deal to me. Uh, Journey into Mystery. Uh, whatever. Okay, these aren't that exciting. Loki's pose. That, that's not an Easter egg that he's sitting at, like, whatever. Um, next one I won't mention because it has to do with the end credits. Um, they mentioned Hell. These aren't really Easter eggs. Cronins. Okay. Those are the rock creatures. I'm, I'm not excited about these. 
Oh, I need to talk about the fault, the cancer verse. That was also on the, on the chalkboard. All right. Okay, not that exciting. Um, let's see if there's anything else that CJ says. Okay. Um, I've seen a movie twice because uh, I saw it at a screening and then I took my daughter to see it. Did you like it? Oh, she she loves it. She I mean Thor is like her favorite movie. Um, for her, after we saw the Avengers, I was like, "What she's like better, uh, Thor or the Avengers?" And that was tough for her. Mm. So, um, but we do. Do they have D box um, theaters in in your area? I have no idea what that is. So probably so not. D box is is kind of like a Star Tours, where the seats move and vibrate and stuff like that. Oh, I I thought they only had those at like Disneyland. Uh, so um, they if you go to like if you look at D box on online, there's you can like enter in like your zip code and it'll tell you like the nearest theaters. I don't know how many they have, but the theater close to us has that. So it's it's kind of nice because um, I don't know they don't have it in all theaters, but in one theater there's only two rows, and you can pick which seats you want because you know they have to turn those seats on when you buy your ticket. So you know we we got the you know, right in the middle, right where we wanted, and it's it's kind of neat because you know it vibrates and um, like it, it kind of rocks. Like there's a part where Natalie Portman like almost fell off that big cliff thing or whatever, and it's like you feel like the seat moving and the the hammer comes down, you feel the vibrations. So it was kind of neat. We we went D box instead of 3D. So, oh, okay. So that was kind of neat. I you know what? That's, I don't know if I'd like that. I don't really like 3D, so. I feel like it's disruptive to my viewing experience. Yeah, and sometimes I mean it, it makes makes everything darker, so you, you you lose out like a lot of the the vibrant colors. Um, CJ just wants to talk about the wake number five. Are you caught up on the wake? I am not. I'm actually um, I'm trade waiting for the wake. It's one of like three books I'm doing that on. Well, issue six doesn't come out till February as well. So I don't know when the trade will come out. You're going to have some time to wait. Um, so CJ says, hopefully there's no spoilers here for you. Huge revelations, crazy transition, and an uppercut to the gut. Something really heartbreaking with our main character. So you have more reasons for you to read it. Um, so he says, wow, this book could be the best Snyder book ever when all is said and done. And yes, I've read everything Bat-related he's written. Bravo to the whole Wake team. So doesn't that make you want to read it now? I read the first two issues and then it was out in my comic shop and I kind of got cranky and I was like, whatever, I'm just going to for trade. <laughs> yeah. um, last note, Coffin Hill's first two issues have been really good. Really excited for Vertigo's new horror series going forward. Um, and CJ says, get it digitally. So I, I've seen both versions. So I, I do, I read that one digitally. Um, yeah, I've been reading that digitally. No, I picked up the first one in print the second one I got digitally. Yeah. Um, final question. Okay. Who would you want at your Thanksgiving dinner table from comics? Pick five. <laughs> so Wait, do we mean characters or people? Um I'm assuming characters. So you were supposed to pick five. One from D C. So who would you pick? Nightwing? I mean, yeah, he can come. Um Alfred. I mean like come on, I want help with that turkey. But you can only pick one from D C. Yeah, so I'm taking Alfred. Sorry, Nightwing. Um, one from Marvel. Uh, ooh, from Marvel. Um, See, you don't want someone like Deadpool who would be annoying. I don't know. Deadpool would 
tell really funny stories, though. But he'd probably make a mess. Yeah. And you definitely don't want the blob. No, I'm going to go with Doctor Strange. Mm, yeah. I'm going to have the weirdest Thanksgiving dinner, by the way, and it's not going to be my usual favorite. Okay. Uh, one from Valiant. Uh, I don't read enough Valiant to know. Is Exo Manowar a character or a title? It's a character. I mean, it's a guy in, in the suit. Right now, yeah, he's that could be a little, little, little dangerous. So you got to watch out for that guy. Um, or uh, Woody from Quantum of Woody could be interesting, but he can be annoying. Wait, who's the goat from Quantum of Woody? He's just—he was introduced. I think it was the last issue. So um, Woody just ended up with this goat. And, yeah, and I'll take the goat from Quantum and Woody. Um, a, a, one character from any image book. Oh no! Um, <laughs> I'm gonna take Oppenheimer. I was, I was just gonna say that. <laughs> oh, because he would eat the turkey and then like know it's history. Um, and one character from any Vertigo series ever. That's tough. Um, I'm going to take Skinner Sweet. Really? Yeah. That seems dangerous, too. I know. Oh, now, this is just getting crazy. It says, it's a potluck, so what food would each person bring? Oh, good lord. Okay. That um, would just be crazy. So Alfred, Alfred brings everything, so done. Yeah, Alfred brings everything. Uh, I mean, the goat could theoretically, like, be part of that. Um... Um, Exo Manowar, I don't know if he'd bring anything. No, I took the goat from Quantum and Woody instead of Exo. Um. Wait, who's at your table? I don't know. Um, let's see, DC, you wouldn't want someone like Batman, because that would just be a downer. Which is so sad. It's like, uh, I used to have Thanksgiving with my parents. <laughs> um, uh, I'm trying to think. Um, I, I think okay, I'm going to say Lane because I, I think she could have some some good stories. And because how how cool would it be to to have dinner with Lois? That would be really cool. Um, although having Superman, you know, if, if you, it's like oh we forgot the cranberries, he could fly out somewhere and find them. You know, some still find some story that's open. Um, Marvel. Um. I would almost maybe say Spider-Man, but not Doc Ock Spider-Man. Although maybe he could have more efficient ways to, to cook everything. Yeah. He brings uh, a way better green bean casserole. Yeah. Superior. Um, yeah, so Valiant, I, I said maybe Woody, because he would make things awkward and, and entertaining. Um, image? Um that's a tough one as well. You could take Feynman. Or what about like Michonne? Because then she could like carve up the turkey. Yeah, Michonne could carve up the turkey. You know, I, I don't eat turkey, so that way I wouldn't have to deal with it. Or like like Rick, he could handle everything. Um, Vertigo. Uh, maybe what about like 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 Dream, like Morpheus. Because that way, when people go into food comas, he can like kind of make sure they don't have like nightmares or anything. And yeah, I guess that's it. 
Um, then he says, thanks, guys. Happy holidays. Don't die in a Black Friday stampede. Oh, I don't go shopping on Black Friday. Yeah, I'm not. I kept joking. Let's go shopping. It's like, no. Yeah, these are very unexpected Thanksgiving tables. This is not, but but his parameters were really interesting. Yeah. Um, here's one from Tobin Racicott. Um, so yeah, this is a great week in comics. So he says, um, I've begun to catch up on Hickman's Avengers and Wow, what a ride! I'm liking it more than I liked his FF stuff. Ooh. That's that's wow. Um, my problem again, my problem with with Avengers is just too many characters. It's like you know, I and and I I totally appreciate the the potential for that. You know, I I think it's 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 brilliant to have the characters that you need, and especially for like Infinity, where you know you need all the heavy hitters and everything like that. But I I I, I like the days like when X Men just had like eight characters and it was like the same one, so you know who's going to be in there. Um, let's see, I think that Dean White is a genius of a colorist. So yeah. His work in Black Science is, too is so great. I want to go back and re- read Remender's Uncanny X Force again. That's a really great run. Yeah. A, okay, Tobin says I think Superior Twenty Two was great as well. I think this would be a great story, and part of me is hoping that all new Venom Number One will start in March. Um, yeah. So it's, it's weird. Um, it, it's not really a spoiler. I mean, it's kind of a spoiler. We we know or we we can assume Venom's going to survive this story arc because Marvel has released the mystery cover to the free comic book day issue and venom is going to be in guardians of the galaxy. Interesting. So we have to assume venom is going to survive this confrontation with Spider-Man. Um, but yeah, it's weird. You know, his series was canceled. So it's like, I don't know. We'll see what he, what he does. Um, so he says, I, I mean, if venom is on thunderbolts and joining guardians of the galaxy, which I have been reading, why not have his own book again? I feel like if they had stayed with the Agent Venom and not gone all supernatural and occult, the book would have done better. Flash is a soldier and is cooler than Flash a demon hunter. I have to agree with that. Um, when Rick Remender left and they started doing like this like occult stuff, it, it, it didn't feel right for me, and I, I kind of fell off of that. But I think Greg was like still, still digging it. Uh, Moon Knight and Daredevil coming back, so that's cool. And then Tobin says, what's up with all these 399 books? <laughs> and, and so we talked about this. Like, I think that's just the way it's going. He said, I understand it's a business and everything, but it's getting pricey. One of the reasons why I love Daredevil is because it was a 299 book, not anymore. There are no 299 books anymore. Um, that just, again, it, I, I really don't think Marvel and DC were ever saying, let's, let's try to raise all the prices and make more money because there's so many people not buying. So I, I don't think they want to alienate those people that are buying but saying, let's just raise the price and take advantage of them. I mean, there are some people that's like, no matter what, they're like, okay, I'll figure it out. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll try to buy it. But, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't think they have as much of a choice as, as, you know, we would like them to have. Um, Tobin says, I really enjoyed Flash 25 as well. Barry doing real detective work was fun. And gosh, I will miss Francis art on the Flash. Have to check out Detective when they start start up. So that's the other thing. I I wonder what what they investigate that drug stuff. It's like I wonder if that'll come back in, when they take over Detective. Like, is is this a tease to what we can expect? So, uh, very great week. Um, hope everyone has a great weekend. Been re- reading more of Hickman's Genius with a bag of Twizzlers. 
there is that. Um, here's an old one from you. Uh, this is from August 22nd. This was, this is for you. This is scanner 51. Um, I don't know if I read all this, but he says, here's a solution to Jen's problem with collecting, oh, cover art. He says, I had the same problem. I wanted, uh, the Owlman number one Jim Lee variant cover, and I wanted to decorate my new daughter's room with covers as well. So I found a way to do it, not saying that I have. Buy the comic that you want at Comixology, then use your iPad to screen cap the cover, transfer the pic to SD or USB, finally go to Kinko's print, um, set and print the cover. The only problem is the Kinko's machine goes up to 8 by 11. If you want bigger, you have to go up to the desk. I would ask if this is legal, but I think I know the answer already. <laughs> um, and don't forget to, to use a machine that the staff can't see what you're printing. Um, so, so yeah, it, I don't, I don't know what exactly what the, the legality of it is. I mean, it's, it's one thing if you're printing it just for yourself. Yeah, I mean, it diff- might be a little different if you're going to sell it though. I know that they frown yeah, upon that. Yeah. I mean, you can't just, I'm going to go Kinko's and print a hundred copies and then sell it. So obviously that, that, but if you're just printing one, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't think they would want you to do that, but at the same time, if they're not going to provide the cover as an option, you know, for you to buy it. But I don't know. And I, 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 I guess it would also depend on like how big the, how great the resolution is and how big could you go? Like if you can go bigger than eight by 11 and, um, scanner 51 says his newborn daughter, who's obviously not newborn anymore. This is from August wants us to know that she loves a podcast. Oh, so that's cool. You know what, though? I can imagine that that would be really soothing, like, for a baby to, like, play podcasts in their general direction, like, instead of, like, harsher music and stuff. Yeah. You'd be like, who are these guys talking? Uh, so I'm looking at these other questions. Um, just anything directed towards you. Um, there's another one about <laughs> uh, wanting your comics. When you, when you said, I want to get rid of my comics. And I know, but that's why I left that comment on a couple podcasts ago. I was like, guys, I already donated them, but thanks for calling yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you can't, I mean, the mail those would just be crazy. Yeah, well, or like to, I know I got a lot of messages asking for specific issues, and it's like, guys, the whole idea was looking for like an easy solution that didn't require me to open the boxes. Yeah. So. All right, we'll just do a few more questions from the forum. Um, so this is Artistic Needham. He says, I haven't read any of the New 52 Lobel stuff at all. I was wondering, um, is what made Liefeld's version so awful? I haven't read anyone say why exactly, so I have no idea. But as far as I could tell, without having read any of it, besides being a Liefeld style, he looked like the old Lobel. But I keep hearing how bad his version was. What did he do with Lobel? It was so bad that they had to say he was an imposter and bring the newer 52 version and say it was a real Lobel. Did he change his powers, origins, or character, or what? I almost think that that was just mishandled. Yeah, because uh, I, I read... It was like a... Like just an accidental like gut reaction. Like, oh, that was just fake. You know, like, I don't know. I, I think it was just a situation that might not have been done right. Yeah, so I, I read the first issue, Deathstroke, with Lobo, I I wasn't crazy about it. It just it didn't feel right, and 
and all that. So I didn't read the rest of that arc. And I guess apparently he was in an issue of Stormwatch. And I, I read that, that I read that series on, you know, here and there on occasion. So I didn't, I didn't even know he was in that issue or in that, that series. So I don't know. As, as far as, um, the villains month issue, it, it was, I mean, Marguerite wrote it. And, you know, it was well written, everything. It's, it's very interesting. I don't know how I feel about the idea of all of a sudden this other guy being the new Lobo. And, you know, I'm not placing that, that blame on Marguerite because obviously. Oh, not at all. No, I think that was just like a weird. It's editorial. It's like, this is what we want you to write or this is what, what needs to happen. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely, I'm, I'm curious. I, I wonder where this story is going to come up. Like, where are we going to see Lobo again trying to confront? This quote unquote imposter Lobo. Cause I mean, it was weird. I think it was in a Justice League. It was supposed to be, a, it was one of the point, the point whatever in the Justice League title, but I, it doesn't seem like it would happen in the Justice League issue. Um, I think they just put it in there just cause they needed to put it somewhere. So I don't know. I mean, the, um, the new version looked a little different. It wasn't, wasn't that bad, you know, visually. Uh, I'm curious. I don't know. So I guess maybe we're not the best ones to answer. Um, I mean, I like Lobo. Um, I, I actually, I, I have a, a Lobo statue from uh, either eighties or nineties. It's, it's like one of the first ones that Randy Bowen did. So, oh, it's, yeah. um, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's the, the leather vest, the chains and all that. Uh, I like that Lobo. I mean, I like the Lobo, but it's, it's almost like he became a caricature like over the years. Where he's just like so, like I'm gonna kill this whole planet and and you know bastitch this and that and so I'm 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 part of me I'm kind of okay if they tried doing something a little different with him because he it it just got to be like too over the top like like even there was a recent issue like Green Lantern where he he came to Earth like I think he was like dealing with like the Red Lanterns or something with like Atrocitus and so I don't know I mean I'm I'm curious to see what they would do but. At the same time, I'm not totally crazy about just erasing the previous version, so I guess we'll have to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, McVig says, you guys get asked a lot about who would win between um, characters, so I want to ask, what do you say to a um, – who is a better photographer, Peter Parker or Jimmy Olsen? I don't I know. I, I'm going to have to go with Peter Parker. I mean, if – well, all right, we're, we're counting him as being Spider-Man, right? Where he can like. So that that's the thing. Most of his pictures are just like automatic camera. Yeah, but he's got the ability to set angles and stuff that Jimmy can't. Well, a lot of times there's been some issues like why are somebody so blurry? It's because you know he's moving around. Okay, so maybe Jimmy's more consistent, but Peter gets more like wow shots. Maybe, yeah. I mean, Peter Peter's has the ability to get. Certain places. There was someone, I forgot who did it, where um, where Spider-Man, he put like a tracer on his spider emblem, like some sort of tracer thing. So the camera would would try to zoom in on on his chest. So when when he's in the middle of a battle and he's jumping around, the camera s- somehow is supposed to be able to track him mm. and try to focus on him to make make it, you know, not as blurry. So I don't I don't know if they really kept that going. 
But yeah. So I don't know. I mean, Jimmy seems like more of an actual photographer. Peter, he just sets an auto camera. And then sometimes six real pictures. All right. Um, D underscore night. This is a uh, Nightwing question. It says Nightwing was blue before the new 52, but now it's red. I picked up the series partly to find out why they changed his color scheme, but dropped it after the quarter owl owls due to budgeting. The change seemed justified when Batman and Robin number 10 came out and had all the Robins on the cover. The red tied them all together. It looked pretty cool, but I always thought blue was a good color for Grayson. He always felt like uh, the one most full of hope in the Bat family. Did they explain the change from blue to red, or did I miss it? Nope. They never explained it. Nope, that never got it. That was just an editorial mandate, so there's no in-universe reason for it. Yeah. it was. I, I mean, I, I agree. It felt kind of weird. It's like, okay, here's a new series that was kind of tying into the, the previous continuity um, it felt like it to me, like it was picking up after uh, Black Black Mirror, um, and then it's just like now he's red, and then and Jason Todd's wearing a red symbol, which they explained why, and but yeah, so whatever. I I mean I I, I guess I've gotten used to it. How do you feel about the red? Um, I mean like I like that it's it sets him apart as the new Fifty Two version, and so it's you know. It makes the uh, the run look more distinctive, mm-hmm. but I prefer blue. I I, I like the dis- disco suit. I love the disco suit, actually. Yeah, that's my favorite. Um, so I'm I mean I'm okay with the red. I've I've come to accept it, and like you said, it, it does make it stand out a little bit. And you know, red can be more vibrant, more you know, brighter, colorful. But but yeah, I I, I like the blue. Like when you when you see the old version, you're like, oh, I remember those days. Um, how many more should we do? I don't know how your time is. No, keep going. Let's see. New onslaught um, says first. Let me state an issue I have with Marvel books. I have the feeling that every time a new writer gets a book, they focus more on plot and less on a character's personality, resulting in characters acting "quote unquote" out of character. When that happens more than a couple of times, you end up not knowing which is true, which is a true character of a hero. Based on that, my question, um, I haven't read a lot of stories with Jean Grey, but she's a character I liked from the old TV show and the little that I've read. I was wondering, does Jean Grey act in a way that is considered to be in character in All New X-Men based on a character's history? Is All New X-Men a good place to get to know Jean Grey a little better? If no... Do you have any recommendation on good Jean Grey stories? I have Dark Phoenix Saga on my to-read list. Um, well, I guess for that we need the context of like what that what she was like in that show as like a basis of comparison because I don't know if that's is that uh, typical Jean Grey. Um, well, it also depends on which which one. There's Wolverine and the X Men, which I didn't like her. I mean, she wasn't in that a whole lot. Um, and the '90s X Men. What I was thinking is was the '90s X Men. I I wasn't too crazy about her on there. Um, it seems like she wasn't written as, as strongly as, as she could have been. And as, as far as all new X-Men, I, I think she feels a little different. And part of it is because her character in this new situation at a younger age, she's, she's been forced to go through some changes, like gaining, you know, some of her abilities like, you know, earlier than she would have. And, and knowing what she knows about her future 
it's it's kind of making her a little little edgier, I guess. Yeah. So it it doesn't quite feel like how she was, and in in some ways, you know, she because at the time when the stories was were written, she wasn't really that strong of a character. You know, she was the the token female character on the team. So a lot of times everyone's like, like, oh, we have to protect Jean, even though, you know, she was like one of the strongest members. Kind of like in, in when Sue was the Invisible Girl, you know, she, she they always had to protect her, and that's what I loved when John Byrne came on to X Men or Fantastic Four. He made he like I think it was Doom that said that Sue was the strongest member. You know, she was the most powerful member on the team, and that you know they didn't the others didn't realize that. Right. Um. So it wasn't until like the Claremont times where I think Jean started becoming a stronger female character. So it, it's, it's hard, it's hard to say like up until that point, she was more like that, the helpless female and in, in all new X-Men, it's like, she's kind of getting a, a jump start or kicks whatever to, to become a tougher character earlier. So right. it may not be totally true to character, but in the essence is kind of there, I guess. And you know she's definitely you know we're, we're seeing some moments where she's kind of got that anger the the dark phoenix essence even though dark phoenix wasn't Jean sort of sort of yeah so um, as far as good Jean Grey stories yeah uh, dark phoenix saga I mean it, I would say if you can um, even the, the the series before that or issues before that uh, when she first becomes phoenix um, before yeah and then. Um, after that, I don't know if there, I can't really think of any big crucial stories. That was just so messed up, the whole history. Like when she died and then when Scott married Madeline Pryor. Right. Who, see, I never understood it because, you know, she was a clone of Jean. But she's not Jean. Well, I mean, because cause Strife made her, but I never thought she looked completely identical to Jean, and that was because of the art. But then I think she was supposed to be identical to Jean. So it's like – and you know, Scott had no idea and she had no idea. You know, She had her own personality or set of memories or whatever. But it's like basically Scott married her because she looked like Jean. And yeah, he I guess got to know her and fell for her. But then when Jean came back, he kind of left her and they had um, Cable when he was a, an infant. So he basically left them to be with Jean. So it's like kind of a jerk. Yeah. And then they got married, and then he cheated on Jean with Emma psychically, which that's like the stupidest thing. It's like I, I think that whole love triangle or love quadrangle—I don't know what kind of polygon that is—that um, was one of the more confusing things I've ever seen in comics. It, um. I think it's one of those things when I, I started reading superhero comics and I was never really terribly into the X-Men uh, when I started reading because that was the context I had was that like, okay, here's the deal with Jean Grey and here's this weird web of, of personal relationship connections that you just have to kind of take for granted. And it's like, okay, but why? <laughs> yeah. I just, I just think it's where it's like your your wife's a, a, a telepath. You you share share a, a psychic rapport with her, and you're gonna have these little quote unquote therapy sessions with Emma or something, right. and I hope she doesn't find out. So I don't know, not not too not too sprites bright. Um, Vegas Lantern Seventeen. 
says, hey, guys, and maybe girl. I'm a longtime listener, first-time poster, and I just made my count today, which was a, a month and a week ago. And still, see, this is one of those, those situations where this person, this is the only post that they've, they've, they've made. And so now, have they been waiting a month and nine days for us to answer this? Oh, no. So that's right. I feel bad. Some people have answered. They're like, oh, no, no, you know, that, that's fine. But So hopefully, Vegas Lantern, you are listening. And I wish I had time to reply to each person and saying, we answered your question on the podcast. So hopefully, they're, they're consistent listeners. Vegas Lantern 17, if you are listening to this podcast, please post a comment in, in, the, in the, the, the comments below and let us know you got this. Let us know how you're doing. Hopefully, you'll ask another question. Um, has there ever been an acclaimed creator-owned series or story arc that you could never get into or didn't see what all the hype was about? An example being I can never see why everyone loves Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum. The writing is terrific, but the art is real turnoff for me, and the lettering, especially for Joker's dialogue, is so unreadable and weird it gives me a headache. I mean, I think what we just talked about, the whole and, – and I guess this is story more than art, but the whole thing with um, the love, the Jean Grey, Madeline Pryor, Emma Frost, mm-hmm. love quadrangle around – uh, Cyclops. I I don't get it, and I I know that that's like sort of classic, like a fixture in Marvel comics. But I I don't get it, and I I don't know. Um, for me, I mean, there's a little bit with Infinity, but that that's something that you know I'd like to read all collected. But um, the other strange one for me was Annihilation. Uh, you know, I I love obviously comics. I love sci-fi. But there's something about those two combined in that series, even though it had Thanos and it had Nova. I mean, there's so many great characters that I loved, you know, Silver Surfer. It was there's something about it, and I don't know if it was just a time where it was hard for me to get into it. And also part of it, there was like different miniseries, so it's like you had to keep up with all these different ones. And but that that's one that um, I've read most of it, but I think there's still a couple issues that I just never got to reading, even though I was buying it all. So I guess. That would that'd be my answer. Um, second question. Who do you think is the most consistent and inconsistent writers in comics today in terms of the quality of their work? Um, Vegas Lanterns says his most consistent is Jeff Johns and Scott Snyder because their work always is top-notch, and I don't think I've ever read a bad story or issue from either. Most inconsistent would have to be Scott Lobdell, especially in New 52, I thought his work on the first arc of Superboy run and his entire Red Hoods run was pretty good, but his Superman and Teen Titans run from the get-go have been major disappointments. And frankly, I'm shocked he's still on either book at this point. I Actually, I'm going to go disagree, and I think Jeff Johns is one of the least consistent writers because um, you've got Blackest Night, which is just stunningly architected and, and everything feels very, very planned and calculated and well thought out. And it's very grand. Uh-huh. And then his new 52 stuff seems all over the place. It, it looks like he doesn't have time to write his books. I would even go back to brightest day right after blackest night where um, I, for me with, with that, it felt like there's, there's too many different story arcs that had to happen yeah. And and so even though the the schedule of it, I mean, I think it came out like every two weeks, but there there could be some points where it'd be like three issues until like Aqualad story, you know, was 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 readdressed. So right. 
I, I was really digging the series when it came out, but then it was just like all there's just too many different story arcs, and I don't know. Again, you know, it's hard to say. Is that his fault? Is that editorial's fault? Or you know, they're just saying you know we need to get all this, make this happen, and at then the way the story ended with certain characters coming back, and it, I would say that that was a little little all over the place. Well, I think with the new fifty two, like at that point, like he just had too much on his plate, and I think he probably didn't have time to really do as much with his stories. Yeah. Cause, uh, his, his Hal Jordan and justice league felt different than his Hal Jordan and green lantern. Correct. And then there's a the whole thing. It's like, where do these stories fit in with each other? And I think it was just a point where let's not worry about it, but yeah. Um, most consistent, most consistent. Um, I mean, I, I'd agree. It's, uh, Scott is, I mean, He's pretty – it's like you know what you're going to get with Scott. I agree. Yeah, Scott's consistent. Um, I think Ed Brubaker also extraordinarily consistent. Everything is solid. I, I don't think I've read something of his that I haven't just been super engaged right away. Yeah. What about that Kyle Higgins guy? <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to comment on that. I, I would say he's consistent. Um, you know, I, I've, I've dug Nightwing. I, and, you know, I, I, I've said it before how much I, I like Deathstroke when he was. I really, I miss that Deathstroke run. Oh, man. I, yeah, I, I don't understand that, that, that really ticks me off because after that, it, it was just such a letdown. Cause I mean, I love Deathstroke from Teen Titans. Um, that, that whole thing, like the, the Marv Wolfman and, you know, George Perez and, and even going back, you know, reading all the, like the older issues, like his first appearance and all that. Um, even like he had his own series, so it was really cool what what Kyle was doing, and I, I I'm pretty sure I've told him that. Um, yeah. So no, I I really liked his angle, and I I think it was cut short too soon. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just, he's 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 doing all right with Nightwing, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're digging it. I think you know Matt and I we always talk about it. We like kind of go back and forth reviewing it. Oh, and his Batman Beyond is pretty good. I okay, that's I think some of my favorite stuff. That he's done. It is, yeah. I, I'm I'm digging it because like bef- the the other Batman Beyond stuff before, and part of it is because of the digital, where I it's like I always forget that you know those issues come out, and you know I've mentioned it with like Smallville, where I'm I'm trying to keep up with that series, but it's like I I tend to forget, and then when I go to check, and then I'll have like 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 12 or 13 issues. I'm like, how did I get so far behind? Mm-hmm. Um, so with, with when Batman Beyond was coming out before I, I wasn't consistently reading it and I think I was getting the printed versions, but then I would get behind on those. So it's like him being on, on Batman Beyond 2.0. Um, I'm actually keeping up with it. So when is, is that new issue coming out this week? Or is it next week? Ah, uh, let me look. I can't remember. I don't know when they come out. Because so... every two weeks, and I feel bad I didn't review the last one. Hang on, I'll go ask. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. Well, actually, because it's the end of the month, so maybe yeah, maybe it won't be this week. Because how that's that throws it off sometimes. The holiday throws it off too. Yeah. Um. I'm really curious to see what what's going to be in the next next arc, and I didn't mention it since I, since I didn't I didn't review the last issue, but I I really I loved 
the conversation between Terry and I don't want to give it away um, between Terry and Dick about the whole um, like kind of like the dangers of being Batman and going down like that that path. So I, I really like how that this isn't just like a repeat of a Batman just in the future. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what 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 happens. Um, third question from Vegas Lantern he says I'm a huge fan of Kevin Smith's podcast, but have never liked his movies or his work in comics. Sure. I have heard you guys briefly mention him from time to time on your podcast, but what are your guys' opinions on him just from his work as a comic book writer? Hmm. Um, I thought if I'm trying, if I remember, it feels like it's been a while, but like uh, when he was on Daredevil. That was that was good. Um, Green Air. Daredevil run. You what? I like this Daredevil. Yeah, and when he was doing Green Arrow, when they brought him back from the dead. I didn't read that. That that was good, and um, he was he was the one to introduce Anamanapea. I thought that character was really interesting. Hmm. Um, Batman Cacophony. Eh, that that wasn't really my my thing. Um. Uh, he did also did a black cat that um, I forget what that was called, like the dangers of men or some some weird thing. Mm-hmm. So that one was interesting where he kind of touched on her her history a little. Um, but then, like I don't know how involved he was with like the Green Hornet comic and the Bionic Man comic because I, I think. Those were based on his like screenplays, yeah. And then someone else just adapted them. I mean, because I I I did like those, um. But I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how how involved he was with those, because I I think they still refer to him as Kevin Smith's Green Hornet, and I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes I like him as a director, and then there's some other things that I I don't really latch onto as much. Mm-hmm. Like. I don't know. I could still go back and watch Mallrats and find it really enjoyable. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of Comic Book Men TV show. Oh, no. And, and, That's and possible. He, he's, he's not super involved with that. No, right. But, it's it's mostly his pals. But, yeah, no, that show's terrible. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's like the – what's that? Pawn Stars? That whole thing? <laughs> and I, I've – like – it's, people need, also need to understand. It's like you can't just do that to like any comic store. You can't walk in and say, "Hey, buy my stuff." That's that's exactly why I don't like it because it it makes it. First off, I think it sort of obscures what collecting is, mm-hmm. and I think it makes, I think it makes some collectors look like they're just out to make money. Yeah. Um, and I I also, I don't know. I think they, I don't know. I don't like their vibe. Yeah, uh, it's also weird when when they they showed the the podcast parts. Um, for, one I couldn't imagine having a podcast with that many people. You know, because it it's it's always a matter of like you know when when one person is trying to say something, and then you know does the other person just jump in, or like if if you you want to make a point or add something, but then someone else says something, and it's like you're still kind of waiting. Then a lot of times. The conversation starts moving somewhere else, but then you're like, "But I still want to say something about that." And it, it just it it feels weird when they they show those scenes. So I was like, "Is that really how they podcast?" And um, you know, Kyle would probably know since, he, <laughs> although I guess that would, that would be a different podcast. So I don't know. Um, 
So Vegas Lantern says, love to show you guys are the best comics podcast on the web, so please keep the comic going for a long time. Yeah, so obviously there's like no stopping this podcast because here it's the day after Thanksgiving and still recording one. Like laying down on my couch with like a pie in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> Straight out of the tent. Yeah, I think we're going to do one more because I, I, one I got to – No, one more question. Oh. Because I, I, have, I have to do some like non-comic Vine stuff since I've been neglecting. Um, this is from Mick Fish. So he says, Tony, um, and yes, even – so Matt's not on here. He, I guess he was expecting Matt to maybe be on, but, but we have Jen instead. I uh, says, okay, so I like comics for the stories, but I do buy some for personal collection. But some of these variants are just out of control, two, three, four, or even five covers for a single book. Really? I dig some. Okay. However, the Scotty Young baby variants are probably the worst in my mind. What do you think about all these variants? I think it's from the book. I, for example, one of the things I really, really like is that um, Red Sonia almost always has at least three really just rockin' variant covers, and they're from just top-notch talented artists. And mm-hmm. so I say, like, the more awesome covers, the better. Uh, like, all right, like last issue of Red Sonia, there was a there was a variant by Becky Cloonan, which was like super, super badass. But like, the main cover was a really killer Jenny Frazan cover. And so it's just like, I'm really into both of these. Mm-hmm. I might not buy both issues, but I'll go look at the cover art online. I think it's just stunning. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I like the, the Scott Young covers and, and you know, I, I know not everyone's into the, the baby things, but I, I think they're funny. I, I don't own any of them because you know, you don't often see those, but I, I have a couple variants sometimes from time to time. Um, but I, I guess that the problem is where it is a problem where people feel like they have to buy them all. But at the same time, right. it's like if you know if something has ten variant covers, you don't need to get them all. It, it's just it's unfortunate if there's like one by you know an artist you really like, and then it's like you 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 can't can't do it, or you can't get it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um. And then, uh, let's see what we're seeing. Um, could a variant be misleading when it comes to the actual book itself? And I would say definitely, because sometimes they'll do like, um, like they did Avengers Month, or they, just recently they did, um, Thor, like variant covers, like on everything, even though it has nothing to do with it. And that now they're, they're doing some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like picture covers, which seems really weird. It has nothing to do. Uh, someone asked about what we thought about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I might have missed that in a, in a um, email question. So yeah, um, the variant could be. What was weird is um, there is a Mighty Avengers, the last issue. Uh, the comic store I went to, they got shorted an issue, so they gave me the variant, and and I was like, oh cool, you know, well, that that's fine. And I had no idea it was on the cover, and I think it was Corey that told me that it was Eminem on the cover. That's random. Sitting next to Iron Man because there was like some number. They were sitting by, on, like on a porch's building, and there's like this number, and there's like I had no idea what the number was. And and Corey, Corey's like, yeah, that's Eminem. I'm like, why? He's like, I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I never looked up like why. <laughs> so I don't know. So yeah, could a variant be misleading when it comes to actual books? So yes. But I don't even 
Yovanovitch's variants. Let's let's be honest. Some covers are completely misleading. Um, because I, I think sometimes like you'll have a a cover artist assigned to a book, uh, sometimes months before the book's even written. Mm-hmm. And so if if things change from the original outline, then that cover might just not match. Yeah. So and then Mick Mick Fish says love both the podcasts and the vids. Keep up the good work. And I think that is going to be it. Um, I don't think there's going to be a podcast on Wednesday. There's not going to be a super massive because I actually, I, I talked to someone at Long Beach. I was like, Hey, do you want to record the next one? And I was like, I record them on Thursdays. And he's like, on Thanksgiving? Like, okay. Yeah. I was like, Oh man. So yeah, that's not going to work. So, um, yeah, I, and I, I, I mean, I could try to scramble, but yeah. I, I, it's, I, I, it's, we'll, we'll take a, a week off of that one. So holiday break. And this one's way longer. I thought this was only be like an hour podcast. So this one should should tide people over. Plus you're on there, so Yay. that'll that'll make up for it. I and then it'll be a while, I guess, till you're on again. Actually, no, because the my school quarter ends in well, I guess in December, end of December. And then I yeah. got a holiday break. Okay, so we'll have to See? do this again, and then maybe I'll actually do some other stuff. Like those articles here. Oh, I'm going to write this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That is it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hi. Hopefully, everyone um, had a great Thanksgiving, those that celebrate it. Enjoy your food comas. And hopefully, people survived stores if they partook in the shopping. Um, yeah. So that is it. We'll be back next week. Um, Jen will not be back next week on the podcast. But uh, we'll be back. More, uh, more the same. More news, videos, all that stuff. So that's it. Thank you.